the firstborn of the great Lord of Sunlight Gwyn. The son who was expunged from the very annals of history his father was the harbinger of. But where then did this nameless and forgotten son reside after leaving Anorlando? And did it inevitably lead to the cursed Lothric bloodline, desperate to stave off the dark? Sleep well and allow me to weave you a tale in which we distinguish the firstborn as the beginning of the Lothric bloodline, all the way to the end, where two brothers allow it all to fade into nothing. In order for this idea to work, you have to believe that the nameless king is in fact the firstborn, which may seem obvious to some but isn't to everyone. So I'll take a brief moment to help make that clear. Let's start with reading the Sunlight Medal from Dark Souls 1. It reads, The symbol represents Lord Gwyn's firstborn, who lost his deity status and was expunged from the annals. But the old god of war still watches closely over his warriors. Okay, so a former god of war who headed the Warriors of Sunlight. That's simple enough. Now, just to solidify this, let's read the Ring of the Sun's Firstborn from Dark Souls 1 as well. It reads, Lord Gwyn's Firstborn, who inherited the Sunlight, once wore this ancient ring. Lord Gwyn's Firstborn was a god of war. But his foolishness led to a loss of the annals and rescinding of his deific status. Today, even his name is not known. So, former war god again, removed from the annals for doing something foolish, and his name has been lost to history. Now, let's read the nameless king's soul. The Nameless King was once a dragon-slaying god of war, before he sacrificed everything to ally himself with the ancient dragons. So the being a former god of war lines up with what we know of the Firstborn, and the allying himself with the ancient dragons, the enemy Lord Gwyn built his empire upon defeating, is very likely the something foolish the Firstborn did to get expunged from the annals of history. And if that's not enough for you, the resemblance speaks for itself, not to mention the Nameless King's armor reads. These golden bracelets, together with the golden breastplate and crown, are said to closely resemble those of the First Lord. Now, we could dive much deeper into all of these explanations, like the Dragon Slayer Sword Spear saying the Nameless King is the heir to lightning and other obvious things. But I believe this is more than enough to put the Nameless King as the absolute frontrunner of who is the Firstborn. So let's now head over to Lothric. After the Firstborn is banished, we know he has to go somewhere. 
and that would have to of course be somewhere he could still keep a close eye on his warriors. And I don't think it's unlikely at all that a large majority of the warriors of sunlight followed their god and leader into his banishment. Why wouldn't they remain fiercely loyal to their leader? I think the firstborn took his loyal knights and taught them even further in his way, and founded them a new kingdom, Lothric. We know that the only altar of sunlight we find is guarded by a Lothric knight in Lothric Castle. Now, of course, that alone is circumstantial. So, let's look further into the influence the firstborn had on the kingdom of Lothric. The Lightning Storm Miracle reads, Miracle of the Nameless King, allied to the ancient dragons. Once a slayer of dragons, the former king and war god tamed a storm dragon, on which he led a lifetime of battles. So, former king is important here, and I'm fairly sure it's not reminiscent of his time in Anorlando but I'll explain that later. But it's just as important to note the bond the firstborn shared with the dragons, or more specifically his closest of friends, the Stormdrake, in which he mounted as a steed for battle. The Lightning Urn description reads, Dragon hunting tool used by Lothric Knights. The Knights of Lothric have since tamed dragons, but were once hunters of dragons themselves. This explains their special hunting gear and why they worshipped the sun. That sounds like almost the exact story arc the Firstborn progressed through. Formerly a dragon hunter, now friend and tamer of dragons. And the Knight's Ring reads... In Lothric, the knight has long been considered one of the three pillars of the king's rule, and were thus allowed to rear dragons. So, again, in the same manner as the firstborn, the knights of Lothric befriended the dragons and mounted them as steeds in which they rode into battle. So we see that Lothric was founded upon the principles that led to the firstborn abandoning everything he had been taught, and was even banished for, when he realized that the dragons were not his enemy, and so he took his knights and formed a kingdom on this belief. And chew on this tidbit of information, there are three ways to receive sunlight medals through the game. One, you can loot them from a chest in Lothric Castle. Two, you can help others within their world and receive them as a reward. And three, you can kill Lothric Knights in Lothric and they drop them. Which seems clear evidence outside of the description which stated they worship the sun that they were indeed warriors of sunlight. And the only thing that makes sense to me as to how they got to Lothric was by following their god and leader. 
the Nameless King is an interesting moniker in itself. I think Nameless is obviously in reference to the Firstborn's name being expunged from the annals and lost to history. Maybe he just embraced the aspect of things. But where did King come from? Certainly not from his former life, right? He was stripped of his status, so it's not inherited. Nor do I believe that would have been his title in Anne Orlando had he not been banished. He was Gwyn's heir to the mantle of Lord of Sunlight, not King of Sunlight or King of Anne Orlando. No, I think King is in reference to he and his warriors of Sunlight founding Lothric. In fact, the firstborn building Lothric could be the reason his sister came after fleeing from Anne Orlando. Certainly, she'd want to find comfort in familiarity, and maybe even a little status, given her brother was the king. And perhaps when the firstborn stepped away, Guinevere took on the mantle of queen, and thus we find all the ties to her throughout Lothric and the royal family and the Queen's Heavenly Children. But we're not going to focus on Guinevere here. I've gone over her connection to Lothric and its customs in several other videos. So the Firstborn allied himself with the dragons when he realized they were not his true enemy. In doing so, he sacrificed everything he had ever known and was banished and lost to history for doing so. His faithful warriors of sunlight set out with their leader and founded the city and kingdom of Lothric. Built on these new principles taught by the firstborn. The knights of Lothric befriended and rode dragons into battle. Set by the example of their leader and former god of war, still the true heir of sunlight. But the firstborn eventually faded from the spotlight and retired to Archdragon Peak, which, as we know, overlooks the kingdom of Lothric, so that he could always keep a close eye on his warriors. Mind you, the mantle of Lord interests me none. The fire-linking curse, the legacy of Lords, let it all fade into nothing. For that is our curse. This was spoken by Prince Lothric, and we all know that the path to linking the fire is a cursed one and that the Lothric family will produce a worthy heir to this flame, even if through unspeakable means. But what is Prince Lothric's curse, and how did it come to be? While we exclusively find the pus of man within the kingdom of Lothric, it's unclear exactly what they are. Though, I'd say it's safe to assume it's some form of chaotic humanity. Given the hollows it sprouts from, and that they drop dark gems, which are said to be born of disembodied humanity. 
gods and their associates are certainly no stranger to experimentation. Whether to extend their life, legacy, or kingdom. And I believe the pus of man was one such experiment. Since Dark Souls 1, we have been burning humanity to embolden the fire and preserve ourselves. Why not apply that on a grander scale? Why not stuff the air of fire close to brimming with it in hopes of extending the age of fire for even longer? Not a terrible idea in retrospect, and surely not coincidental that we find pieces of the disembodied humanity from the Puss of Man, and right outside where we would find Lothric's King Osirius, who he himself is also known to experiment. It would also explain why the Puss of Man appears from Utix Gunder. Considering that he was supposed to link the flame, but failed to do so for one reason or another. And was also very likely a part of the royal Lothric family. And a Lothric royal family tree would certainly be something interesting to see. We know Osirios was king, and at least had some children with Guinevere, the Queen of Lothric. But the only one we can confirm is Ocelot. As even Osirios says, I will not give him up, for he is all that I have. My point basically being that the heirs the Lothric family were producing just weren't living up to the mantle of Lord until Prince Lothric. But what made him special? The short answer, I believe, is incest. All throughout varying mythologies, royal families practiced incest as a means of keeping their bloodline pure. Prince Lothric is a result of this same principle. The world was running out of options as Lothric heirs just weren't worthy enough to the flame. But what if it produced an heir of the original royal family's bloodline? What if Guinevere and Gwendolyn came together to produce an heir specifically designed to link the flame? Think about it. Lothric was born a frail and shriveled child which is an indicator of being born from incest. But I'm not going to go into the science of the whole thing. But maybe this frailty also came from Gwendolyn, who was skinny and frail himself. They also share the same light blonde hair color, and give that some credit, because if you read Game of Thrones, that was a whole thing. Finally, Gwendolyn and Lothric both share the same voice actor, and you can take that as you will. Maybe even Lorien was born of Guinevere and Gwendolyn as well. He shares the same light color hair and likes to wear a helmet similar in design to Gwendolyn's. But I guess that idea isn't super important right now. 
The point being that Prince Lothric was the culmination of ideas meant to be the perfect heir. So he was procreated through the original royal bloodline and stuffed full of humanity. A true testament to the fire linking legacy. And some would likely say he was created through unspeakable means. Of course, we never see the pus of man revealed from Lothric. And maybe that's because he accepted his curse. But not for the reasons he was created. As we know, he turned away from his duties. After a certain scholar bent his ear. And he was content to abandon his role and watch it all fade into nothing. And he was likewise joined by his brother Lorian, who embraced Lothric's curse. But what exactly is that curse? Well, we know that humanity is cursed with undeath. So if a godlike being was stuffed full of humanity, he probably acquired a somewhat similar curse. Historically speaking, the undead did a great job of being fodder for the flame, so this wasn't necessarily the worst plan they could have thought of. We can even see this curse taking effect when we fight the twin princes. When Lorien falls, Lothric goes to his brother's side and tells him to rise as that is their curse. And Lorien does indeed rise and continue to fight, albeit weaker and weaker each time or until Lothric himself is killed. That's quite similar to the curse of undeath, continuing to rise after death, losing a bit of yourself each time. But perhaps since the curse is shared between two brothers, Undeath doesn't apply to both. And that idea might also be seen between the two wyverns perched on either side of Lothric Castle. Both inflicted by the pus of man, but when one dies, so too does the other. This idea is supplemented with the fact that the twin princes are resistant to dark damage whereas all the other gods or those related in the Dark Souls games were notoriously susceptible to it. Prince Lothric is even sympathetic of the Unkindled's mission or expectations, since they really do have a lot in common. Both meant to save the world by doing the bidding of others, ultimately to your own sacrifice. And when defeated, Lothric offers what I believe is genuine respite. This spot marks our grave, but you may rest here too, if you like. I'm unsure exactly how the bond between Lorien and Lothric became so strengthened that they cared only for one another. But it always seemed Lorien was poised at least by others, to be the king of Lothric, and with his little brother to reignite the Age of Fire, Lothric would need a strong king with a strong claim. 
but just as Lothric refused to be a cog in the Age of Fire system, so too does Loria. And so they embraced each other and shared their curse. And maybe that was the final middle finger to those who thought to control them, the sharing of their curse. Or if Lothric dies linking the fire, Lorien dies as well, and Lothric would be left without a king. <laughs>